This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. On this episode, Maria is joined by a special panel to celebrate Make a Difference Day. This audio comes from a virtual conference originally recorded on October 22nd. Now, here's your host. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Maria Desmondi, and I am a publisher at Cardinal Rule Press. And we are a small, we like to call ourselves small but mighty publishing company um, because we have a small number of titles. I think we're around 20 now, but um, they have been shared worldwide. And um, the theme of most of our books are social and emotional learning and really empowering children to feel good about themselves and to make a difference in the world. And so today we are celebrating Make a Difference Day, which is actually tomorrow, but we're not going to do, we're not working on, on the weekends and you're not going to school on the weekends if your children turning in. So um, tuning in. So we're celebrating today, Make a Difference Day. And I'm going to begin by asking our panelists to please introduce themselves. Tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're at. Um, and you can share a book if you would like, one of your book titles or more than one of your book titles. And according to my screen, we're going to begin with Pat. Well, hi, Nice to see all of you virtually. I'm Pat Zietlow Miller and I write picture books. Um, I live in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and my most recent picture book is Be Strong. And it's about all the different ways that you can be strong in the world by showing up, speaking up, and never ever giving up. It's mm, beautiful. All right, who is next? Um, Nikki, would you like to go next? Hi, everybody. My name is Nikki Bergstresser, and I live on the West Coast in the province of British Columbia, Canada. And I have two picture books that have come out. One is Seasons for Stones, and it is about Tilly. And she has a neighbor who's not well. And instead of feeling helpless, Tilly decides to be helpful. And her kindness spreads throughout the neighborhood. And then my most recent book, uh, with Cardinal Rural Press is called Lila Lou's Little Library. And Lila Lou loves to read morning, noon, and night. But there's the problem because all her books are bursting out of the seams of her house and her mom says something needs to be done. So Lila Lou has a plan and she builds a little library she shares with her neighborhood. So both my books involve small steps of kindness that just ripple out and connect people. Fantastic. Hi, you have me going next. Hi, I'm Inosanto Nagara. Um, I'm author and illustrator of a bunch of children's books on social justice uh, themes. The, the one that um, I did first was called A is for Activist, and that's the um, where it got me into writing and illustrating children's books. Now I've done six children's books. Uh, three of them are board books, uh, two picture books, and one that is a middle grade um, storybook chapter book and uh today i think I, i'm not i'm really curious to see who's out there and i'm assuming this isn't kids so we're not doing kids reading stuff but um whether people are interested in who are here because you're interested in the theme around social justice children's books if you're writers if you're um illustrators i'm happy to talk about any of that stuff 
Absolutely. And um, the chat is open. I just opened up the chat. So you're free to ask questions anytime throughout the program. We do have classrooms who have signed up. Um, I don't see any classrooms as of right now, but they may have um, turned their screen off because we are recording. Um, yeah, so if you have any questions throughout the program, Ino Santo, thank you so much for introducing yourself. And I will go ahead and help facilitate those questions as we go on. But yeah, tell us what, what, why you're here, who, we, who you're with, where you're from, all that good stuff. All right, who is next? Tessa, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, my name is Tessa Allen. I am the author and illustrator of my very first book called Sometimes People March. Um, it's about the um, history of protest in the United States and how um, standing up against injustice has been something that people have been doing for a long time. Uh, and so it references a bunch of different historic moments through its illustrations um, and really focuses on the group element, the collective um, that is, is necessary to make change. And Tessa, congratulations, writer and illustrator on that title. Thank you. <laughs> and Gabby, I see you. Hello, welcome Gabby. Thank you. Uh, my name is Gabby Garcia and I am in Austin, Texas. I am a children's book author. I have eight, uh, eight books that I've written. The one that I am going to talk about right now or that I'm highlighting, I guess, is I can do hard things. And I can do hard things. Um, the subtitle is Mindful Affirmations for Kids. It's about helping um, kids learn to tap into their inner voice um, when they face challenging situations as they do, you know, throughout their, their days, you know, often without adults realizing and um, just helping them to understand that, that they can do tough, challenging things, um, whether that is speaking up for somebody when they see something happening, or whether it's just reminding themselves that it's okay to feel a certain way. So there are, there's, uh, I guess the point here is that hard things are, what's hard for me might not be hard for somebody else and, and that's okay. Fantastic, thank you. Um, one of the things I loved when I was going through these books and reading them is I think children's books aren't just for children. I think they're also really powerful messages for adults in, in the room and in the mm -hmm. space as well. And Ino Santo, um, on your very first page of A is for Activists, you define an activist and you say advocate, abolitionist, ally. So tell us a little bit about, can you give us an example of what a child may be able to do to um, be an activist? Hmm. So what's interesting is, you know, I actually ask a question, right? I don't, I, I, the, the question is, are you an activist? You know, these are various ideas of many ways that um, you can be an activist. I actually try to be not prescriptive in that sense. Uh, you know, by, I'm, I'm all about Khalil Gibran's, your children are not your children, they're the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. It's their future for them to decide what they're gonna do with. Um, ironically, um, but for a lot of people who think that what a lot of my books are about is about telling people, how kids, how to be activists. Um, my real goal is to talk about agency. It's, it's not, so 
if, especially if you go into some of my older kids books when we start getting into things like M is for movement a lot of what we're talking about is not just sort of like here's what you need to do to become an activist it's really for them to decide but what we're um, what I'm talking about is the fact that bad things do happen the world is not a perfect place and when especially these kids nowadays with all social media with access to information on the playground about all the bad things that were that happen it can be very depressing and the goal of the books is to actually talk about the idea that there are many avenues and we have had many successes throughout history and um if bad things happen we have a choice about what we're going to do about that i like that and you're saying you're not being prescriptive and you're right you do have questions here but the thing that i really like is through the examples that you use in the book you've illustrated with children. So you're really showing children, here are some examples and you know whether it's in the history or the past, these are children. You're not showing like the adults doing these things. And I think- Yes, that's and that's a big part of it is for kids to be able to see themselves in these books and the stories about social change and activism. And Pat, tell us a little bit more, could you share an example of activism in your book? There is a main character in your story. Yes. Okay, so I have actually um, two books that are about that same group of kids. The first one was um, Be Kind, and it talks about all the different ways that anyone from child to adult can take small actions that build on each other and become, you know, something much greater than you, you might have originally anticipated. And then in Be Strong, it's it's the, the main character, Tanisha, realizing that she's stronger than she thinks. And I think for both books, I think children and adults, a lot of times you, you think you don't have as much power as you really do, and you underestimate your ability to make a difference in the world. And um, I kind of like the same thing about agency, that you have power, you can make a difference. And even if it seems small, if you do a small thing and someone else does a small thing and it builds and builds, it can have a much bigger impact than you would otherwise think. And so um, in, in Be Strong, Tanisha looks and says, okay, what can I do? How can I show up, speak up and never give up? And there are examples in the book of her starting a table at lunch um, for kids who, you know, maybe don't have anybody to sit with. And there's an example of Tanisha's mom um, trying to get a crossing guard on a corner that needs one and, you know, doing a petition. And then there's her learning how to, you know, uh, do something that she doesn't think she can and be in the talent show. And then there's even her grandmother um, learning that, that she's stronger than she thinks. Um, and so I think so many people, myself included, just don't realize the difference that they can make in the world with maybe just a little effort. Absolutely. And I read this with my seven-year-old a few weeks ago. And at the very end, the last page, you're showing, not telling. And um, the crossing guard is there. And my son yeah. said, she did it. <laughs> and, and that's another thing is allowing children to really pay attention to picture clues and so we're either seeing these in the eyes of what can happen, social justice in the world with, you know, um, movements that are happening, especially we've seen a lot in the last two years. But in this book, it's really taking issues that a child might come up against within their own environment in their school and how can they handle it 
in that environment. And for all of you tuning in, you know that when things get hard, um, we sometimes are our worst advocate, right? Sometimes when things get hard, we start doubting ourselves. And so Gabby, your book really helps to com combat that for children. Um, so tell us a little bit more, maybe give us a couple examples of some of those affirmations that children can say throughout your book. Sure. Um, well, it, it starts off, um, you know, just reminding um, here, let me read you the first page. I don't always feel brave, confident, or strong. Sometimes it seems easier to follow others along. Um, and I, I think, you know, kids do get so many messages about how they should be in the world. And so um, I Can Do Hard Things is about helping them to, you know, get quiet and just kind of listen for that inner voice inside and let that be their, their, you know, like their inner guide, um, so that they can connect with their, you know, I, I love the, I'll, I'll use Inosato's word, their, their agency, their, their inner strength, really. So, um, some of the affirmations, I can be a friend to myself, you know, starting, starting from within and, and, you know, I have other books that really, uh, explore more deeply what it means to be a friend to ourselves. So starting from, from that, that point, um, I can feel all my feelings. So it goes from the inner. And so asking for help, apologizing, forgiving, just, you know, those situations that maybe we don't see as challenging or difficult for kids, you know, the example of, of apologizing, you know, that's something that we ask of kids to do probably, you know, a lot in, in schools or in, in different settings. And, you know, that for whatever reason might be something that's hard for them. So um, these affirmations help them help kids talk themselves through whatever situation arises. And then it goes on to, I can care for my community. I can speak up for others. I can practice peace. So those are just um, some of the affirmations that are featured in here and the, the illustrations and um, support it. Uh, Charity did a wonderful job illustrating them. And, and like I think Inosanto said, it's really important for me. I worked in the schools for 21 years and I really wanted the kids that I was working with to see themselves reflected on the pages of these books. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And Nikki, your stories kind of build upon each other um, because in Seasons for Stones, you talk about, um, you know, this, this movement of the kindness rock. So you can take something that is found in nature, you can add a word to it, you can leave it where someone needs to see it, and that can make a difference in their day. And then with Lila Lou's little library, we, we took it to the next level. There's this girl who has an overabundance of books and her mom says, we need to do something like this has got to stop. You can't have books falling out of closets. And with the help of an adult, right? So she went to an adult with the help of an adult, she was able to do something. So tell us a little bit more about what she did with the help of her mother, because some of these things kids are going to need to ask a trusted adult for help. They are. So Lila Lou went with her mother out into the yard and she found her favorite old tree that had fallen down in a storm. And she decided that she would build a little library with her mom. She had the plans and everything and she was so excited to share it. 
but not everyone received it right away. And she was disappointed, but she didn't give up. So she tried again and she found a way to show her joy and the beauty of reading with others. And so she was able to share her books with the neighborhood. And in turn, they were able to share and give back as well because of the small steps she gave in sharing. And the power of reading, just it gives you such knowledge and it gives you gives you a strength and a power when you read a book. And I think that's what she wanted to share too. So it was all about bringing the community together. Yeah, and I think we all need that sense of community in our lives. Um, and we connected with the um, founder of the Little Free Libraries, and we had a conversation with him. And um, what a beautiful movement that started off slow and that has really taken off. Um, so raise your hand if you've seen a Little Free Library in your lifetime. Um, they're just such a cool thing. Uh, and now, you know, our children's school, um, our neighbor built the Little Free Library. He's a retired man. Um, he, My kids <laughs> helped him build the Free Library. And our school asked, well, could you build another one to be used as a pantry? And so we live in a very diverse community. And so families can leave food in the little free pantry and those, um, you know, families that need it can take it. Uh, so that's a nice movement as well. Tessa, your first book, uh, it's, it tackles a heavy topic. Um, so go ahead and tell us a little bit more. Give us a couple examples. Maybe your inspiration. Let's move into your inspiration to write a book about um, the history of marches. Yeah, so I work um, with kids and I, um, as an educator, I work for the New York Historical Society as one of my um, education positions. I also have been a nanny and have nieces and nephews in my life. And um, there was a period of time where all of a sudden, especially in New York, I know a lot of other cities felt this around 2016, we're seeing a lot of protests happening. Um, and sometimes the kids I was with would kind of feel some of the energy that's coming off of those protests and be like, what's going on? People are shouting, there's different languages, there's people are carrying signs. Mm -hmm. And there was both like this kind of celebration energy, but also um, anger that comes sometimes when people are um, expressing the need for change. And I remember saying specifically with a couple of kids I was nannying, I was like, well, we'll stop and we'll notice what's going on. And sometimes people march. This is something that people have been doing for a long time. And it's a part of the history of our country and our world. And I, my own like experiencing of what was happening um, around me, I found myself like sitting down and processing this and thinking about how I want to have conversations with people, partly to tell myself how I like how to understand and process what's going on. And it was really in kind of looking back to moments in the past that I felt really supported and hopeful um, for the future. And then having conversations with young people who were really good at make at noticing things and really good at noticing like moments of injustice. And I, I think, and also talking to other adults and other educators who are trying to find language for themselves to have those conversations. Um, what I kind of thought about in this book is how to engage kind of intergenerationally in a conversation about justice. Um, so that's that's kind of where the impetus came from. I think there was also a lot of inspiration in the kind of, again, collective 
um, energy that comes from getting to participate in marches and what that can feel like. And also the art making that people engage in, like a lot of people who are not artists who are sitting down and coming up with creative ways to make signs and come up with um, catchy slogans and are also looking back to history to be inspired. And I think that even in the last like, you know, year and a half, we've seen even kind of a, a continued momentum of this. Um, but it's been happening for a long time. And so I think that that was something that I felt supported by and wanted to help, you know, connect other people to as well. That's lovely. And someone's asking the name of your book, it's Sometimes People March. Um, and, you know, I think books I've used, I was an educator for over a decade before I started in the publishing industry. And books really do help families to tackle these difficult topics for children. Um, and so I just so thankful that now we're seeing more and more books about diversity and social justice and all of these important topics. Um, we interviewed Tyler Fetter, I think two months ago, and she has a book about the human body. And it just brought up so many questions with um, my son and my daughters about different body types and, you know, um, it, it was a beautiful book. So let's talk more about inspiration. Pat, you had told me that you had worked, um, you had a corporate job and now you are writing books. So for Be Kind, was Be Kind your very first book? No, no. My very okay. first book was called Sophie's Squash about a little girl that falls in love with a butternut squash. Um, but I can tell you a little bit about how Be Kind came about. I mean, normally okay. when I write a book, you know, you write it and then you hope that an editor will want to buy it and turn it into a book. But for Be Kind, um, an editor I had worked with previously actually reached out to me and said, you know, I've always wanted to do book and kindness. Would you write one? And that's about all the direction she gave me. And I said, sure. So I wrote a draft and I sent it off and it wasn't exactly what she wanted, but she didn't have a lot more specifics. So I tried again and I started thinking, you know, because when you write a book called, and she, she knew the title, she wanted it to be Be Kind. And when you write a book called Be Kind, I didn't want it to be, uh, you should do this book, you know, like, like a book telling readers, you know, here's how you do it, because that's didactic and moralistic and nobody wants that. And so I really struggled with how to write the book and I ended up writing it in first person. So it was told from the viewpoint of a kid trying to figure out, you know, what does it mean to be kind? How can I do it? And they try a couple things that don't work. And then they try a couple other things and they kind of come to their own, you know, realization for them of what kindness means. And I've heard from so many classrooms that, you know, read the book and then they have that same conversation with the kids in their class. What do you think it means to be kind? And sometimes it's what's in the book and sometimes they come up with different things. And it was the same with Be Strong. I had a kid, a different kid asking themselves the question, you know, what does it mean to me to be strong? Is it just physical strength or is it more? And they come up with, with their own answer. So, so that was sort of my inspiration for getting around the, you know, not wanting to write a book that told people specifically what they ought to do. And we do have some writers in the audience. And so if you're listening, um, you know, editors and publishers, we don't want books where the adults in the story are the problem solvers because that takes the power away from the children. We want the children to be the ones figuring out how to handle the situation in their own unique ways. Um, anyone else? Um, Eno Santo, do you want to tell us how you were inspired to write your first book? Sure. Um, I live in a co-housing community with uh, four other families and the eldest and there's my, my son is the youngest of eight kids born into our community. The eldest ones are all off to college now, but um, my kid's 11. And so when he was born, you know, so I've been reading children's books um, to the other kids in our household for many years. And, you know, when you read 
books to children you have to often read them over and over and over again and there's the books that you really enjoy reading over and over and over and over and over again and then there's the ones um that uh, not so much and so initially i was just trying, thinking I wanted to find the kind of books that I wanted to read to my kid over and over and over again. Um, our neighbors are architects and they gave us these books that hand-me-downs from their kids, you know, and they had like architects counting and architects shapes kind of thing. It's like, and you know, my community, it's all, all activists, um, teachers, uh, you know, people who were involved in organizing, community organizers. And so I was trying to find the book that's about what we do. I figured if the architects could have a book about what they do, how come there's not a book about um, what we do in our community and in our family? Um, and I went out to try to find one. And actually, at the time, um, they were a lot harder to come by. There's a lot more books nowadays. I think um, people have been able to, um, ever since the um, Red American Women and Is for Activists and other books out there now, I think people are starting to feel comfortable talking with children about these issues. And so it's been a wonderful time to be part of that movement um, for children's books around social justice issues. But basically, long story short, couldn't find the book I wanted to read to my kid over and over again. So I decided I had to write it. That is a big problem solver right there. <laughs> I love it. That's a great example for your child. Um, Gabby, we're going to move on to another question, but I would love to hear a little bit about your process for writing, because there are writers in the community listening right now. We want to know, what is something about your process of writing? Well, huh, my process of writing, you know, I think it's different for every book. Um, you know, like, uh, similar to what, you know, Santo said with my first book, it um, came out uh, of necessity. I was also looking for a book that I wanted to share. And in my case, I was working as a counselor in public schools and um, I was looking for a book that would con convey information um, and I, in a way that would be helpful to kids. And I really couldn't find it. It's called Listening to My Body. And so, you know, I just... Uh, had so many ideas. I, I'm a paper person. I still get everything down on paper first. I have, yep, I have all of my notebooks. And so, you know, it just uh, starts out with ideas and I, I write, 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 write. And then finally I, I do type out and, and edit, um, share with, um, work with an editor. But yeah, it all starts for me, my process you know, I think the ideas also, I'll, I'll want to address that too. For me, the ideas for my books, they all center around um, social, emotional learning, awareness, mindfulness, that, that sort of thing. And I was really inspired by, you know, really by the needs that I was seeing with the, the children that I worked with. I'm also a parent to an eight-year-old. So the, the books that I want, you know, similar to what Ino Santo said, the books that I want her to read. So, I you know, so it's not hard for me to come up with ideas, but, you know, the, the writing process starts on paper and then evolves from there. Fantastic. We have a really great question in the audience, and actually it's someone I connected with 
um, through the process of doing these panels. Um, and he's located in India right now. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. Um, it's a great question. So let's see who would like to try to tackle this one. Do school curriculums here in the United States enhance awareness about this issue, about activism, about speaking out, about movements that are happening? Do you believe that our curriculum, that, that the school curriculum is required to talk about these things? I, I will say, I think my um, experience is very much shaded by the fact that I'm supported by institutions who really lead with activism. And um, there is, at least in New York City, um, a kind of a hunger to engage in that. Um, I know that that's not the case in all New York City schools, and I know that's not the case in all U.S. schools. Um, and I think that um, especially talking with other adults about when we learned about different moments in history, when we learned about the practice of slavery, when we learned about um, different like protest movements and things like that, just like how we've learned things has really changed since I was a student. Um, and I don't know if that's from my own place of being plugged into that and actively seeking to be a part of organizations that are leading with that, um, or there's sincere change. I hope there's sincere change. <laughs> when I, we have, our oldest is in seventh grade and I was trying to explain to her everything that was happening with Facebook. And, um, you know, they were in the court system a few weeks ago and I was trying to explain that to her. And the very next day in her social studies class, she, um, they were talking about current events and they had to watch a video on CNN about it. And she was so excited. She came home from school and said, mom, I was learning about everything that was happening with Facebook at school. And I was like, yeah, your mom knows what's going on. You never believe me, but I do. <laughs> but she was excited to be in the know of what is really happening today. So I do think that current events are being talked about. Um, but so the what, but I'm not so sure about the how. I'm not sure if the how is really being taught in schools. Yeah, I would say, and I do a lot of um, class visits, um, mostly West Coast and East Coast, and it's a very mixed bag. Mm -hmm. You know, you have, you know, the, the places that invite me, obviously, are places, are um, teachers, classrooms who are excited about talking about these things with their kids. Think Dr. Shoppert's class, fifth grade class in Lesby, Maryland, is the kind of class that um, the kids are probably getting to talk about these issues. Um, but the, I think there's also a huge swath of America where you cannot talk about anything related to social justice. Fantastic. Another question, someone is wondering um, from the panelists, how do you feel about including back matter and activities with your books? Does anyone include back matter or going beyond the book in their stories? I've included back matter in some of my books. Um, I have a book that just came out called What Can You Do With The Rock? And it's just all about everything that kids can do with the rock, you know, all the kind of wonder of rocks. And then in the back, um, I had all the sciencey information about, you know, what are the various types of rocks, igneous, sedimentary, and metamorphic? What are more resources? How could you start a rock collection? And it's just two pages of stuff for the kids that are more curious, for the teachers that, that want to have it. And then um, I have one book that's historical fiction that refers a lot to um, Olympic champion Wilma Rudolph, and I have back matter about who she was and what she did and why she was so cool. So I think it can really add a lot to a book if it makes sense. I think it's helpful yeah. as a parent too. Go ahead, Gabby. Yeah. No, I, I just wanted to add, I um, I think all of my books include back matter. 
I think it, it for the topics that I cover, I think it does help to enhance. And um, I know that a lot of the, the readers uh, or a lot of these books are found in classrooms or maybe um, parents or counselors. And I, I have heard back from them that they appreciate the Black Matter. Excellent. Yeah, actually, I actually just finished writing a um, middle grade novel right now, and I included a lot of back matter in it. And then as well with Lila Lu's uh, little library, we did include back matter with how as a family you could develop your own little library. And as a teacher, I love the back matter because I run book clubs online and a lot of the historical fiction I do, we dive right into that back matter. And it just brings up some amazing discussions with students. Excellent. Oh, another tricky question. So this is two parts, um, two parts. Do you typically start with an SEL concept or message in mind before you draft the story or do you start with the plot and character? Um. I'll go. <laughs> um, I mean, most of the the books that are like the, the board books and the the books that are like with the wedding portrait, which is about uh, direct action, civil disobedience, um, or um, my night in the planetarium. Some of those books I, I start with a concept. This is, I want to talk about something, but um, the story books, the picture books, those those always for me have to lead with the the story has to lead with uh, being about something that is engaging first and foremost as a story from the voice of the kid or whoever's storytelling um, in that case, rather than sort of like needing to it to be a book about this or that, um, that sort of emerges through the process. And the second question, I, which I feel like you basically answered it, but the second question that is addressed here is, do you have tips for ensuring that the manuscript doesn't read as didactic or moralistic? But I think when you're starting with characters and plot, it's not as teachable or it's not as, you know, didactic if you're, okay, this book has to be about generosity. I think when you're writing SEL books too, it's really important to visit your library, stock up on those types of books and really learn how the authors do it. Our library is our best resource for um, signing out all those books. And as an author, if you're wanting to write a certain type of book, you need to just read and read and read that genre. And I, I do think too, when you're writing a book that like um, Santos said, you wanna read again and again and again, you know, it has to have a certain element of heart in it. It has to make the reader feel something so that they want to come back to it. And if you're trying to teach with your book or you're trying to impart a lesson, that doesn't always line up with the, does the book make you feel? And so I always try to start there with what's the heart of the book? What's that universal truth? And then, you know, work in the social and emotional stuff. But if you, if you don't have that heart, it's just going to be a lecture. And that's not a book you want to read repeatedly. Mm, that is beautiful. Wow, our questions are, they're big ones today. And we're gonna wrap it up with this last question. Um, it's a big one. Uh, here we go. Would love to know if you have a way you use your book to reach families and schools who are not inclined to teach about social justice and activism. So how do you use your book to reach those communities and those schools and those families? We donate a lot of books here at Cardinal Rule Press and hope that they get into the hands of those who need it. That's that's one way we do it here. 
I have a little library in my front yard and I stack it full of books that um, just are going to meet the needs of a variety of readers. So we've got from young to old. <laughs> That's awesome. And I work with a lot of literacy organizations that whose their job is to distribute books around in Oakland and around the country. And so they tend, you know, I think one of the biggest barriers to access, of course, is buying these books. And um, they're the, the ones who have a, a broader social justice agenda understand that part of the goal is to engage kids, not just send whatever Dr. Seuss book is available on Amazon at a discount. So um, I think working with those organizations are the ones that you want to do. And they're out there and they're eager for books. So that is the truth. Good books, good books. I want to thank our panelists for their time today, um, for being here and for sharing about their fantastic books. Are there any final goodbyes, any final thoughts as we sign off today? I think from everyone in the audience, everyone here in the panel, we hope that you will take what you're passionate about, take that heart, what's inside of your heart, what's something that you're um, you know, wanting to change and take steps and go to a trusted adult and ask for help if you need it. But kids can make a difference. And I think it's important that we remind children day in and day out. Thanks everyone. The comments are beautiful. They're thanking you for your generosity and your time. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Happy Friday. Bye. Cardinal Rule Press offers a variety of support to authors, booksellers, librarians, and families. Find out more at cardinalrulepress.com.